in God's house tonight. Amen. Praise God. It was good to see Brother Dave. All of our guests, so good to have you tonight. Praise God. Amen. We have been going on, uh, going through a series of studies on apostolic doctrine in our Thursday night services. We're going to continue with that tonight. And um, last week we started talking to you about the importance of having the Holy Ghost. And I hope that... Uh, Everyone who has it got a good refilling and has a good refilling. Is staying full. Uh, when, when I tell you we're going to need it in the days ahead, I mean what I'm telling you. We're going to need it in the days ahead. I really believe we are not going to be able to ride the fence in the near future. I believe the lines are being drawn and um, we're going to have to decide. I think the words of Joshua ring loud and clear. You better choose who you're going to serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. Amen. 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 Would you turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2? Familiar setting of scriptures. We continue on our study of the Holy Ghost. And uh, we're going to go at it from a little different angle tonight than what we did last week. And probably in the weeks ahead... Uh, look at it from maybe a few more angles as well. And um, I just want to make sure we've, we've got it. And uh, I don't know. I'm still praying about it, but there is a good, uh, no, I don't want to say a good chance. There is a chance. There is a chance that when I finish with the apostolic doctrine, that we may start into a series on holiness been a while, and I think it would be good for us, it's always good for us, I think, to be remembered of, to be reminded of what we believe and why we believe it. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So Acts chapter 2, and we will begin with verse number 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Um, by the way, I almost forgot. It's hard for me to remember now how many of you were in our uh, dynamic marriage class when we did it a few years ago. Um, we have been presented with an opportunity to do a uh, follow-up class. They will let us do it at no charge if we can get eight of the couples who have already been through the class to do this, this is uh, a level two, and it's really more about just maintaining some accountability and those kinds of things. Uh, but you have to have been through the first class to take the second class. And as I said, we have to have, I think, eight of the couples that took the first class to, 
to be able to qualify. Uh, they are only letting a limited number of churches do this. It's kind of in what they call a beta right now. They're in the process of developing this. Uh, but we do have that opportunity if we decide quickly and it's something we have to have finished by the end of January, which means we would have to start it uh, fairly quickly. And um, so if you are interested, as I said, there will be, my understanding is there's no charge for any of the materials um, because it is still kind of in their testing module right now. And if you took the first class and you are interested in level two, I need to hear from you immediately because I've got to tell them something. I think they said they've only got two more openings for churches to test it, and so we've got to let them know right away. And so if you went through that class and you're interested in going through level two, I've got to hear from you right away in order to tell them whether we're interested or not. Uh, for the rest of you, the Level 1 class will begin February the 15th. I know that's a little ways off, but the way time is flying, it'll be here before we know it. Uh, somebody told me, I, I haven't been, but somebody told me they'd gone to a store and already seen Christmas items out. And uh, so uh, it's going to be here before we know it. And it's going to be passed before we know it. So, um, I, I really, really need to hear from you. If you have been through level one and want to go through level two, got to hear from you right away, like yesterday. Praise God. Um, so, keep that in mind. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. So tonight, we're just going to simply title this lesson, The Holy Ghost, and that's what we're going to talk about. And I don't know if we will finish this entire lesson tonight. I think I gave Brother Merriman about five pages of scriptures, so uh, that's an indication of how far we've got to go tonight. We just may not make it through the entire lesson. We'll go as far as we can and pick it up and finish it off at a later date. Praise God. Amen. So let's pray together right now. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and to the hearts of everyone who is here. And uh, let's, let's ask God to do a work in this house tonight. There are people here who need the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'd love for God to confirm His Word tonight. Amen. Let's pray together, everyone. Lord.
Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's praise Him together, everybody. Let's give the Lord some praise right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, we, we kind of went uh, both barrels and full speed ahead last Thursday night in talking about uh, the importance of being full of the Holy Ghost. And tonight we're going to slow the pace down just a little bit, but I don't want to slow it down to a stop. I'm afraid I'm, we're already there. I said I don't want to slow it down to a stop. No, it's a little better. Not much, but a little. Praise God. Um, what is the Holy Ghost? We, you know, it, it's amazing sometimes, especially after we have been in the church for a while, we, we get to the place we use these terms and we use them freely and we forget what it was like when we first visited an apostolic church. And we forget that some of the terms that have become so common to us really were strange and unknown and, and not understood by us. Amen. Now, those of you that, were, uh, that have been raised in the church, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about right now. But I'm just telling you that, that uh, especially coming in as a young boy and, and not knowing anything about the Bible, I'm telling you there were words that they were using uh, the preacher was using behind the pulpit and the saints were using in testimony and in talking to me. I didn't have a clue what they were talking about. And in fact, you know, I had moved to Texas from Indiana and everybody in Texas had this southern drawl. And there were some words that, uh, I, you know, I didn't really know how you're supposed to pronounce it. I just made my best guess at what they were trying to say. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a unique world for me. And so I want to take the time. This may be elementary, but I believe that it's important for us to understand. When we talk about receiving the Holy Ghost, what are we talking about? What do we mean by that? Well, you know, it's exactly what the title implies. A ghost is simply the spirit of one who has departed. Amen. Isn't that what a ghost is? It's the spirit of somebody that's already departed. And so when we talk about the Holy Ghost, we are talking about the spirit of the Holy One. Amen. Amen. Now, when, when we deal with the Holy Ghost, it is important that we understand we're not talking about a person. Much of the church world talks about the person of the Holy Ghost, but it's not a person. Luke 24, verse 39. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and a bones. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. As you see me have. A spirit is not a person. Amen. So when we talk about the Holy Ghost, we're not talking about a person. We're talking about a spirit. Amen. And, and this spirit is also called the Spirit of God. Or the Spirit of Christ. Amen. When you read those terms, we're talking about the same thing. It's not different spirits. Amen. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. John 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit even of the, truth. Even the what? Even the Spirit. Everyone say Spirit. Come on, church. Help me tonight. Even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, 
For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come, I to, will you. come to you. So the Holy Ghost is a spirit, not a person. We're not talking about a third person in a Godhead somewhere. We're talking about the spirit that comes to live in your heart. Amen. Amen. Now, God is a spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And we and in dealt truth. with this when we went through our lesson on the Godhead. We dealt with this in great detail. The fact that God is not a person, God is a spirit. Amen. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, really all we're talking about is God's spirit. When someone says, Well, I've got God living in my heart, but I don't have the Holy Ghost, it's impossible. God is a spirit. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. It's the same spirit. Amen. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 talks about the spirit of Christ. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son the into your hearts. The spirit of his son into your hearts. Crying, Abba, Father. All right, now look. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. God is a spirit. Christ is a spirit. But we don't have three spirits. And you want to know how I know we don't have three spirits? Because the Bible tells us, Ephesians 4 and 4. There is one body. There's one, one body. And one spirit. There, there is one body and there is one spirit. Amen. 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 Now, 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 look, I can spend a lot of time on Ephesians 4 and 4 and I don't really have the time to spend. But I want to, I want to tell you tonight that there's only one body and that's the body of Christ. And if you're not in the body of Christ, you're not saved. It's not talking about a church body. It's not talking about an organizational body. It's talking about the body of Christ. There's one body. And there's only one spirit. So whether we're talking about God, we're talking about uh, the spirit of the Son, we're talking about the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, it's the same thing. It is the one spirit that indwells us. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's talk a little bit about the promise of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, we talked about this last week. We, we went through Acts 2, 38 last week, and, and again, we did it in great detail uh, you shall you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Everything Peter said is leading up to this answer. The answer to the question, what shall we do, was receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's your answer. That's how you deal with your problem. Right. But in order to get there, you repent and are baptized. But the answer is you need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's the focus. Then we go on to verse 39. For the promise is unto you. For the promise. What promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost. This promise is to you. To your children. It's to your children. And to all that are it's afar to off. everyone that's afar off. Even as many as the, Lord, as our many God shall as the Lord our God shall call. Now listen to me. Don't let anybody tell you the Holy Ghost is only for some people. Don't let anybody tell you, well, maybe you'll get it, but I, I'm not going to get it. That's not my gift. I'm telling you, that promise is to everybody. Everybody has the same promise. Amen. It's the same promise for everybody. And the promise is that you shall receive the gift 
of the Holy Ghost. Now this promise was foretold. Amen. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. And this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he uh, died on the cross and rose from the dead, but before he ascended into heaven. And he is talking now to his disciples. Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 49. Read. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold... I send the promise right, of now, my now, Father. Now notice this. Behold, I send what? I send the promise of my Father upon you. Amen. I'm going to send the promise that my Father has made. I'm going to send that promise. So I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost was not a New Testament concept. We understand it through the New Testament, but I'm telling you the Father had already made this promise. I send the promise of my Father upon you. Amen. In other words, the Father's already made the promise and I'm going to see to it that promise is fulfilled. Now, what promise had been made? In order for us to understand what I'm talking about right now, you've got to understand the problem with humanity. For centuries, the Jewish people had struggled to try to live according to the law of God. They could not do what God wanted them to do. They could not live the way God wanted them to live. They wanted to. They tried to. Is anybody out there tonight? All right, I'm not hearing you. I need to hear you. Amen. They tried to do what was right. They wanted to do what was right. But they failed miserably every time they tried it. And so they were struggling to try to be what God wanted them to be, but they were not able to keep the commandments which God had given them written on tables of stone. And so God spoke through the prophets and said, I'm going to change this. I'm going to let you know that the day is coming when it's not going to be so hard to keep my commandments. It's not going to be so difficult to be what I want you to be. That day is going to come. And it's going to come because I'm going to write the commandments again. But this time I'm not writing them on tables of stone. Let's see what the prophet said. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 to 33. Behold the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. I'm going to make a new agreement with Israel. And with the house of Judah. Uh huh. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. It's not going to be like the one I made before. In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Right. Which my covenant they break. Although I was in husband unto them, saith the Lord. Uh huh. But this shall be the covenant but that I will make. This is the covenant or the, the agreement that I'm going to make with the house of Israel. After those days, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my. I am going to put my 
law in their inward parts, and and I'm going to write it in their hearts, and will be be their their God, and and they'll be be my people. people. God said, look, you've been trying to keep these commandments based on what's written on pieces of rock, but I'm telling you, I'm going to change it. It's not going to be so hard, because I, not that I'm changing the commandments, but I'm going to take them off the tables of stone, and I'm going to write them in your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the Apostle Paul clearly made a reference to this prophecy in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Written with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone. Not in tables of stone. But in fleshy tables of the heart. Alright, here's what I'm trying to get across to you tonight. The Apostle Paul comes along and explains the prophecy of Jeremiah. He says to us, this is the way the commandment gets written in your heart. You let the Spirit write it there. Please understand me tonight. There's not a person alive that can keep the commandments of God by themselves. You can't keep it by your own power. You can't keep it by your own goodness. You'll never be what God wants you to be. The only way you'll ever live like God wants you to live is if God comes along with His Spirit and writes His law down on your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And so receiving the Holy Ghost is how the laws of God get into your heart. And that's what helps you to live like God wants you to live. Well, praise God. I'm telling you, you cannot do it on your own. When I have people tell me, preacher, I, you know, I really would like to be a part of the church, but I just can't live that way. You want to know my answer? My answer is I can't either. I can't either. But God can. Nobody questions whether God can live this way. So my job is to let God live this way inside of me. When His Spirit comes to reside in my heart, I let Him live this life. Because I know I can't. Amen. Now another prophecy that was made... Many, many years before Christ ever came, uh, comes to us from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. All right, can, can we put both verses up there, please? Verse 11 and 12. Um, I, I want to just show you here what Isaiah is saying uh, in these verses of Scripture. Uh, Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. Praise God. All right. He said, for with stammering lips and another tongue. With stammering lips and another tongue, he would speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. What is the rest? What is the rest? Stammering lips and another tongue. God said the way you're really going to enter into the rest that your soul is looking for is through stammering lips and another tongue. Amen. 
Amen. Joel prophesied about the coming of the Spirit. Amen. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of, out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I'm going to pour my Spirit out on all flesh. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Right. And also upon the servants um, and servants, upon the handmaids, handmaids. In those days will I pour out I'm going to pour out my Spirit. So I'm telling you that when Jesus stood there before his disciples and he said, I'm sending the promise of my father, this is exactly what he was talking about. There was promise after promise that God was about to change everything. They weren't going to have to try to live it by their own abilities. They weren't going to have to try to keep the commandment by their own logic or their own strength or their own power or their own goodness. But everything is going to change because God's going to send His Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Now the prophecy that Joel made, God said, I'm going to pour out of my Spirit in those days. Peter said, this is that. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 18. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This, this. We read in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter stood up and said, this is what Joel prophesied about. What's happening right here is the fulfillment amen, of what the prophet said was going to come. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. Read. And it shall come It'll to come pass, to pass in the last days. days. God, I will pour out of I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Right. And your young Men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Right. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And, and Peter begins to quote exactly what Joel said. Peter said, this is that. This is the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, why should someone receive the Holy Ghost? What's, what's the purpose in receiving the Holy Ghost? Why, why am I up here preaching to you tonight that you need to receive the Holy Ghost? Well, I, I want to answer that question with a question. Why not? Honestly, why would anybody not want whatever God has to offer? If God said, I've got something I want to give to you, why would you say, I don't want it, God? Well, but to answer the question, why should you receive the Holy Ghost? First of all, to get saved. Right. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit, if of, God so be that the Spirit you, of God dwell in you. Now, if any man, but have if not any man Christ, have not the Spirit of Christ, none of his. Listen to me. I don't care how good they are. I don't care if they pastor a church somewhere. I don't care if they're seeing thousands come into their congregation. I don't care. The Bible says if they don't have the Spirit in them, they do not belong to Christ. They are none of His. They can have so many degrees they look like a thermometer. But that doesn't mean they're saved. Amen. You've got to have the Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 3 verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water 
and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Unless you are born of water, we've talked about that, that's being baptized in Jesus' name. Unless you're baptized in Jesus' name and you receive the Holy Ghost, Jesus said you, what's that next word? What? Jesus said cannot. Don't try to convince me somebody's saved that's never received the Holy Ghost. Jesus said they cannot go to heaven. It's impossible. If you're not baptized in Jesus' name and you haven't received... And, and hear me. I'm not trying to be ugly or mean. I'm trying to drive a point home. There are people who say, but look, I've got peace. I've got joy. I've got this. I've got... None of that matters. The question is, have you received the Holy Ghost? If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you are not saved. Cannot. Can. You say, well, if I've got joy or peace, what that means I've got the Holy Ghost. No, we're going to find out that's not true in just a few minutes. And we've got to let the Word of God tell us, don't we? You know, one of the worst things that could happen is when people start letting their experience dictate truth. This is off the subject. But I was talking to uh, someone actually via Facebook. So I say talking and we were posting back and forth. But they had made this comment. This this particular individual has has uh, has become very well known for being a great soul winner. But what he's doing, he's just going out and asking people, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And if and everybody says, well, heaven. So he just takes them and baptizes them. You can't go to heaven if you're not baptized, so let's just go baptize you. And that's it. I mean, there's no, no question, just baptize them. So he made some comment about, um, you know, people criticize that we're just baptizing people, but, but at least we're doing something and, and they're better off. And I said, whoa, hang on just a minute. Hang on just a minute. Jesus is the one who said. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go ye therefore into all the world and and, and teach. Teach all nations. Number one was what? Number one was teach. Then he said, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then he said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded. Baptism was in the middle of that sandwich of teaching. Before, before he ever said, baptize, he said, teach them. Teach them. Then baptize them. Then teach them some more. Well, some folks came on and posted and said, well, look, I didn't know anything about it. When I got baptized, I'm still living for God. Somebody else came on and said, I didn't know one thing about it. I got baptized. I'm still living for God. I said, look, folks, you know, wonderful. Thank God you're still living for God. That's wonderful. But your personal experience does not negate what Jesus told us to do. We got to go by the scripture, not by personal experience. We got to do what the Bible tells us to do. Well, it, it, it's that whole discussion was another deal for another day, but because he came back to argue with me and said, no, the Bible didn't, didn't say that, and he quoted scriptures where they baptized him in Acts 2 and said they didn't teach him anything about repentance in Acts 2, and they baptized him in Acts 10, 
and didn't teach him anything there and just baptized him. And they, they baptized him in Acts 19 and didn't teach him anything. And I said, whoa, hang on just a minute. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were devout men. These people were already living for God. Acts chapter 10, he was a devout man who prayed always and gave much alms. He was already living for God. Acts chapter 19, they were disciples of John the Baptist who said, Before I'll ever baptize you, you got to bring forth fruit. He never responded. That's all of a sudden. My point is this. We cannot allow our personal experience to dictate what the Word of God says. So when you say, well, I've got this, or he's got that, or he does this, I know they're saved, I know I'm saved. Even though that's not what the Bible says, I'm telling you, you got to scrub your personal experience. Forget your personal experience and go back to the Bible. The Bible is the truth. Look, look, look. It would be one thing. It would be one thing if I was up here just throwing out opinions. If, if all I was doing is say, well, you know, I think, I think, I think, then you'd have a right to sit there and question what I'm telling you. But everything I teach this church, how many scriptures do I give you to back up what I'm saying? I'm not up here throwing out my opinions. You know, and, and I know sometimes people have bad experiences. Sometimes they talk to preachers and they get bad advice and they, things go bad. And, and so that makes them leery and it makes them... I understand all that. I've, I've had some real bad experiences at the car lot. But when I get ready to buy a car, I still go back. I've had a few bad experiences with the doctor. But I'm going to tell you something. When I get sick, I'm going back. So, so just because you've had some bad experiences with some preacher somewhere, all I'm asking you to do is, is look and see for yourself. Am I giving you the Scripture? Am I just throwing out opinions? Am I just telling you this is what I think? Am I just up here trying to say, look, believe me because I know I'm right? Or am I giving you the Word of God? If it's the Word of God, then you need to accept what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says, unless you're born of the Spirit, you're not saved. You got Without the Spirit, you're none of His. You must be born of the Spirit, John 3 and 5 says. You've got to be led by the Spirit, Romans 8, chapter 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are the, they are the sons of God. So, so you know, you, if you're not being led by the Spirit, you have no claim to even call yourself a son of God. And how can the Spirit lead you if it's not in you? Let me show you some more. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. All right, now, he said, hereby, hereby we know that he abides in us 
by the Spirit. How do you know that God's still with you? Well, you do a Holy Ghost oil check. That's what you do. If the Holy Ghost is in you, God's there. Because God is the Holy Ghost. This is how we know God's still with us is by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. First John 4 verse 13. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him. We know that we dwell us. in Him. We know that He dwells in us. Because He hath given because us of His Spirit. He has given us of His Spirit. Amen. And so, I, well, let me go one more here. Romans chapter 8 verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus if from the dead. If the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. dwells in you, he that then he that Christ raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken will, your mortal body. The word quicken means to make alive. He shall make your mortal bodies come to life. How? By his spirit that By dwells in you. By his spirit that dwells in you. This, listen, this is why I'm telling you it's so important you get the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost in you when you die, you're not going to have the power to be resurrected. You got to have the Holy Ghost. When the trump of God sounds and the church is called out of here, even if you're still alive, I'm telling you, the only way you're going up is if the Holy Ghost is in you. So, so the first reason why you need the Holy Ghost is to get saved. Without the Spirit, you're none of His. You've got to be born of the Spirit. You've got to be led of the Spirit. The Spirit is the proof of God's presence. The, the Spirit provides the power of resurrection. All of these tell us you've got to have it to be saved. But you not only have to have it to be saved, you've got to have it to stay saved. We do not believe in once saved, always saved. Right. We do not believe in what is called unconditional eternal security. That the moment a person is saved, they are forever saved and they can never be lost again. The Bible does not teach that. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 10. I'm going to go through just a few verses here and then we're going to move on. But Second Peter 1 and 10. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence, give diligence. to make your calling, make your calling sure. and election sure. For if you do, these, if things, you do these things, you'll never fall. If you do these things, you won't fall. So the converse of that's true. If you don't do these things, what's going to happen? You're going to fall. All right, Second Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. All right, again, I don't want to spend too much time on all this, but I just want to make sure you understand. The Bible says if they have, if they have escaped the pollution of the world and they become entangled in the world again and they're overcome by it, the latter end is worse than the beginning. Now, don't try to explain this away and say that just means in, in their life. No, 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 that's not the latter end. The latter end is eternity. And the Bible said eternity is going to be worse. Now, if they're still saved, eternity is not going to be worse for them. But it's going to be worse 
than it was before they ever knew. Amen. Uh, let's read on. Verse 21. For it, had not, if for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than they never known. Then after they have known it, then to turn from the holy commandment delivered it. unto them. Uh-huh. Verse 22. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit the dog's again. turned to his vomit. And a sow that has washed to, her, was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Amen. Peter said it is possible for you to live for God and turn your back on him and go back to the world. It is possible. One more verse here. Uh, maybe two more verses. Second Peter 3, verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. You know, to me, this is so clear in the Scripture. How in the world they come up with this nonsense of once saved, always saved? I don't know. But it's very clear in the Scripture that it is possible. It is possible for you, once you've been saved, to still be led away with the air of the wicked and fall from your steadfastness. Luke chapter 8, verse 13. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while For believe. a while they do what? Believe. They believe. And in time of But in the time of temptation, they do what? They fall away. Sound like to me it's possible to be lost after you've been saved. So you know how you keep from doing that? You stay full of the Holy Ghost. The same thing that got you saved will keep you saved. Amen. Amen. Uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He guides you. I'm going to have to hurry through some of these. But the spirit of truth guides you into all truth. I'm talking about staying saved. I'm talking about the importance of having the Holy Ghost. The, the, one of the reasons why it's important to stay full of the Holy Ghost is because none of us have got all the answers yet. And there are times we need the Holy Ghost to direct us. If we're going to stay saved, the Holy Ghost has got to lead us into truth. Amen. Uh, John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach he's you going all to teach things, you all things, and bring all things, and he's to going to bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, t- this is how it works. This is how we keep the commandments of God. The Holy Ghost working in you. Now, I know for some of you it's been a long time since you first prayed through, but I'm going to call you back to remembrance of your conversion experience. And what it was like when you first received the Holy Ghost. And I want to ask you, do you remember how sensitive you were about right and wrong? And how when you did something that was even questionable or shady, there was something in your heart saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is not right. We need to get back to that. I said we need to get back to that. Amen. If we'll stay full of the Holy Ghost, we will get back to that. Amen. Let me tell you what else the Holy Ghost does for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Lord will, in a few weeks, I'm going to deal with this in great detail. But, but I just want to tell you something. This is one of the beautiful benefits of receiving the Holy Ghost. There's times we don't even know how to pray. 
We don't know what we need to pray for. We don't know how to pray about it. In fact, I've had people tell me, Preacher, I don't know how to pray about this situation. Well, you don't want to know the answer? Get in the Spirit. Let the Spirit pray through you. The Spirit knows how to pray about it. The Spirit knows what you need and don't need. Somebody said, well, I don't know if this is just me and my carnal desire, if I should ask God. Pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit decide what's right and what's not right. Amen. Amen. Tell you what else the Spirit does for us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. And you, me. and you ought to be. And you might be. And you could be. Are you getting the point? Amen. The Holy Ghost empowers you to do what God... What is it that God most wants done in this world? Does anybody know? That's exactly right. Number one on God's list is not giving you a good feeling. It's not enabling you to run the aisles. It's not letting you talk in tongues or feel chill bumps. It's not paying your bills or putting groceries on your table. That's not number one. Number one, above everything else, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's, that's first and foremost of God's desires, is to see the lost saved. And I'm telling you, when he puts his spirit in you, it's for a purpose. He's empowering you to help him get the job done that he most want done. Well, kind of went over like an expected pole vaulter, but anyhow. Tell you what else the Spirit does. Some of you will catch that tomorrow morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And Some of you won't spirit... catch it because you slept through it, but anyhow. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Uh-huh. Another thing the Spirit does do, the Spirit gives us the liberty to worship God. You want to know why some churches are dead? It's because they don't have the Holy Ghost moving, that's why. Because the people are not full of the Holy Ghost, that's why. But I'm telling you, when we get full of the Holy Ghost, we don't, nobody's got to beg us to worship. Nobody's got to make us get up and clap our hands and wave our hands. And we don't need a disco team, lights and fog machines, and Dowra. We don't need any of that garbage. I'm telling you, if the Holy Ghost moves, we've got the liberty to worship God. What else the Spirit does? Second Corinthians 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, uh-huh. are changed. We are, we are what? We're what? Changed. We are changed into the same image. Into the same image. From glory to from glory. From glory to glory. Even as by, even the, Spirit as the, by the Spirit of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. Our only hope of being like Jesus is to be full of the Spirit. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Right. 
Well, praise God. And every time we get lost in the Spirit, He's changing us a little bit more to be like Him. We sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him. Well, is that what you want? You want to know how that's going to happen? Not by you sitting down and studying the life of Christ, though that's important. But all the study in the world's not going to change you into His image. The Bible says the way we're changed into that image is by the Spirit of God. From glory to glory. Getting lost in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, when we begin to get into the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, every time that we get into the glory of God, God is making adjustments on us. God is transforming us from what we always have been into what He wants us to be. Spirit of God changes us into His image. And then finally, another thing that happens when we receive the Holy Ghost. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. In fact, uh, yeah, let's, let's start with verse 19. We'll go ahead and read it all. Verse 19, read. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. The works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Which are these? Adultery. Adultery. Fornication. Fornication. Uncleanness. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Hatred. Uh-huh. Variants. Read, Relations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Envyings. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelings. And such like. All right. Now, now look. This list that he just went through is the natural result of our fallen condition. That's just what happens. When man's left to himself, that's just what happens. It's who we are. People say, well, the world's going to get better. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. You want to know why? Because humanity is getting worse. This is the result. And, the, and, and there was a principle that was set into motion at, at the creation that like begets like. Everything reproduces after its kind. So evil men produce evil men. And the thing is, with each successive generation, they become more evil. It doesn't get better. Nothing gets better by itself. This is, look. This is a basic law of science. In fact, it's called the second law of thermodynamics. In layman's terms, what this law says is anything left to itself will get worse. This, this, I mean, that's really simplifying it. It's, it's much more complicated, but that's basically what it's saying. Anything you leave to itself, it'll get worse. You know, take the most intricate, uh, advanced technology on the face of the earth today. I don't care what it is. I, I've, I've seen, you know, Japan, they're creating these robots uh, that talk and respond and you can ask them questions and, and, and they've got almost human-like features. I mean, they, they put this fake skin on them and, and, and it's just an amazing thing to watch. But I'm going to tell you, take that robot. I don't care how advanced it is. And you set it out here in this parking lot and just leave it there. 
it's not going to keep getting better. It's not going to keep getting more advanced. Technology only becomes more advanced because somebody's working on it. But if you don't work on it, anything left to itself will get worse. You know, go buy the most expensive car on the market. I don't even know what it is. But go buy the most expensive one on the market. And then just park it on the parking lot and leave it alone. It'll look nice for a while. But, not forever. You've got to do something about it. Somebody's got to take care of it. Somebody's got to keep it up. Well, praise God. And I'm telling you, the same thing is true with humanity. And when we take God out of the picture and man is left to himself, he's only going to get worse. And so all these things are the works of the flesh. This is what flesh produces. So how do we fix it? Well, let's read on. Verse 22. But the fruit of, but the, the, spirit fruit of the Spirit is, is love, love, joy, joy peace, peace long-suffering, long gentleness, gentleness, goodness, goodness faith. Now, now, hang on, hang on. Before we move scriptures, there's something I want you to see. Because, again, there are people who say, well, I've got joy in my life. Well, I've got peace in my life. But I want you to notice something. This does not say the fruits. It's not plural. It is one fruit. And this is the way you describe it. These are descriptions of the fruit, one fruit of the Spirit. So just because you can pick and choose certain attributes doesn't mean you've got the fruit of the Spirit. You know, when, when I describe a banana to you, I, I can tell you, well, it grows in bunches, it's yellow, it's, it, uh, it comes wrapped in its own uh, uh, peeling and, and um, it's loaded with uh, potassium. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things we can talk about when we talk about a banana. But, but all those are just descriptions of the banana. And somebody says, well, I've got something here that's yellow. It must be a banana. Or I've got something here that's got a peel around it. It must be a banana. No, 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 no. I- I'm telling you, you can't, you've got to have the whole description. Are you following me? Yes, so when we get talking about the fruit of the Spirit, don't tell me, well, I've got joy in my life. I've got peace in my life, so I've got the Spirit. No. Do you have all of this? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness. Meekness, temperance. temperance. Against such there is Do you no have law. all of that? For these things are the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I've only got a few minutes left here, and I, I need to deal with this last part uh, because I, I hope I hope that you've seen tonight why you need the Holy Ghost. But I want to talk to you about how you receive the Holy Ghost. It's important to know how to get it. Amen. I, I remember hearing a teacher in Bible school say one time that he went to seminar after seminar after seminar uh, trying to, to, to gain knowledge about uh, pastoring his church and 
and, and about various things. And he said, man, I'd come home so fired up and so uh, excited and, and motivated. And he said, then when I got ready to put something into practice, I'd realize, you know, all they did was inspire and motivate. And they didn't give me any idea how to do it. Can I get a witness? You ever been there? I mean, but yeah, you could do it. You could do it. You could, yes, yes, yes. You come home and say, yeah, I could do it. And said, Wait, but I don't know how to do it. So I don't want to just tell you, you can get the Holy Ghost. You need to get the Holy Ghost. You've got to get the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you how to get the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 39. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. All right, all right. Now we're going to take these a little bit in reverse here, so, so get ready back there. Verse 39 says the promise is to you. That settles the question. When anybody says, well, it's not for me, you know, you might get it, but it's not for me. That's, that issue is settled right here. It's for everybody. God doesn't pick and choose and give it to some people and not to others. The same thing is available to everybody. All right? Now, let's back up to verse 38 because here's where Peter tells us how to get it. Then Peter said unto them, number one, repent. Everyone say repent. All right, we've talked about that. We spent uh, time teaching on repentance. And that is recognizing your sin, realizing you've done things wrong, asking God to forgive you, and making up in your mind, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to change with God's help. That's repentance. And then he said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what he told us to do. And when he said, if you'll do those two things, you what? Oh, that's so weak. You what? You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a promise. Yes, yes, yes. And God cannot lie. So God's promised it to everybody. You shall receive it. If you'll repent, you'll be baptized. You shall receive it. Now, having said that, let me tell you. My old pastor used to say some people get it on credit. And we see that, really. We see it in the Scripture. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 48. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost Peter fell was still preaching, on all the them Holy Ghost which heard the word. On everybody that was listening to the preacher. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Right. For they heard them speak with tongues. They heard them speak in tongues. And magnify, magnify God. God. They answered, and, pe- then answered, then answered Peter, Peter, can any man can forbid, anybody water, forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Uh-huh. And he commanded them, to be commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. All right, now, now look, here's what I want to show you. Peter said, you want to get the Holy Ghost, there's two things you've got to do. You've got to repent and you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And yet here in the Scripture we find people who had repented, but they had not yet been baptized in Jesus' name. The Lord still gave them the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you can get it before you're baptized if you want it bad enough. If you get it before you're baptized, then he commanded them to be baptized. He wasn't giving them an option. God may have given this to you ahead of the schedule here, but we're not going to let you get by with this. You've got to go back and get this taken care of. You still have to be baptized in Jesus' name.
Amen. And so it is possible to get it before you're baptized, but the fact is you still have to be baptized. So, so, so listen, you've got to repent, you've got to be baptized, and you've got to receive the Holy Ghost. So repentance is necessary. Let me tell you something else that's necessary, and this is why some people don't get it. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Uh-huh. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Understand what Jesus says. Is there anybody, is there anybody that is so cold-hearted that if your son came to you and said, I want bread, you'd say, here's a rock, go chew on this. Is there anybody that's that cold-hearted? Read. Or if he asks a fish. Or if he comes to you and says, you know, I'd like some fish. Will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? You say, here, here's a rattler. Go take this. No, we... we Jesus is showing us the extremity here. He's trying to prove a point. Right. What is the point? Verse 12. Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Okay, verse 13. If ye then, being if evil, you then, being evil, know how to know give how good, to gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more how shall your heavenly Father more will your heavenly Father who has Spirit. no evil in him give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? If you wouldn't give your child a stone instead of a piece of bread, or a snake instead of a fish, or a scorpion instead of an egg, why do you think that if you asked God for the Holy Ghost, He would give you something else? God's not going to do that to you. I've had people tell me, well, I'm afraid I'm going to get some evil spirit. I'm afraid I'm going to get the wrong thing. I'm afraid it's going to be the devil. God's not going to let that happen. He's not that kind of God. Hallelujah. I've got to hurry. My, my time is is up. Been up for some of you. Hallelujah. Ask in faith. Ask in faith. And that's why some people don't get it. They just don't have the faith. They just don't have the faith. They just don't believe they're going to get it. And if they don't believe they're going to get it, they're not going to get it. But if they believe they get it, it'll happen right then. Now, how do you know you got it? Here's where we get into this. This is where, well, I've got joy. I've got peace. I, don't, don't give me all that. We've got to go by what the Scripture says. John chapter 3, verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone so, that is born of the so, Spirit. So are some that are born of the Spirit. That's not what he said, is it? So are many that are born of the Spirit. So are most that are born. Are, are you getting the point tonight? So is everyone. I want you to say everyone. Everyone. Well, that was pretty good. I may not have to teach that Bible study on the meaning of everyone after all. Everyone, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What? What is true about everyone? Well, there's only one thing that's positive in this verse, and that is 
thou hearest the sound. I'm telling you that anybody and everybody that gets the Holy Ghost is going to have the sound that offers the proof they got it. If they don't have that sound, they didn't get the Holy Ghost. Well, let me throw this out free of charge since I'm working on overtime anyhow. If you don't have that sound consistently, you don't still have it. Well, praise God. It's the only sound that's consistent in Scripture. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, what happened? And they were all filled, they were filled with, the with the Holy Ghost, Ghost and, and began to speak they with spoke other in tongues. Everyone say they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. That was the sound that happened. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. And when Paul had laid, Paul his, laid hands his hands on them, them, the Holy Ghost, the Holy came, Ghost on came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Everyone say they spoke in tongues. Amen. We already read Acts chapter 10. I won't go back to it, but, but to have him read it. But in Acts chapter 10, the Bible says they were amazed that these people had received the Holy Ghost. And they knew it for they heard them speak with tongues. It's the only sound consistent in Scripture. Don't give me personal experience. Don't point me to some preacher somewhere and say, I know he's saved even though he's never talked in tongues. Honey, I'm going to say it. He's not saved. If he hadn't talked in tongues, he doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Oh, Brother Epley would say it this way. He's as lost as a goose in a hailstorm. I've heard Brother Epley say that many times. He's, well, no, he's got a better one than that. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you are or not. I may lose it on this one. He, he tells people, so they're as lost as two boys kissing. That's pretty lost. That's Brother Epley for you. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what. I don't care how big his church. I don't care. I I don't care what his situation is. If he hadn't talked in tongues, he's as lost as two boys kissing. And that's lost, my friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's only one sound that's consistent in Scripture. There's only one sign that's consistent in Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 22. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Tongues are what? They are for a sign. They're for a sign. Amen. They are a sign to let you know, to let the world know that God has made a change in you. Why does God choose tongues? Why does God have people speaking in tongues when they receive the Holy Ghost? It's very simple. James chapter 3, and I'm closing with this. Musicians come. James chapter 3, verses 6 to 8. And the tongue is a fire. A fire. A world it's of a iniquity. world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members uh-huh. that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. Right. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is it's tamed. tamed. And hath been and tamed has of mankind. been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. But the tame. tongue can no man tame. It is Nobody a- can control their tongue on their own. Right. That's what he said. It is what? An unruly, it's an unruly evil. evil. 
full of dead it's poison. full of deadly poison i'm telling you the bible says that the one thing man cannot control is his own tongue so what better way for god to prove that he has taken control of your life than for god to take control of the one thing you can't control and when God begins to speak through you in words that you don't even understand, words you have never been taught, God is saying to you, I'm in charge now. Well, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. You know what? I've only got about three more scriptures. Go ahead and play out. Uh, we'll just we'll we'll read them. We'll 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 get done here tonight. I've only got three more scriptures. We'll just finish it off, and then I'll have it behind me. But but the purpose for receiving the Holy Ghost is threefold, according to the Book of John, chapter seventeen, uh, sixteen, verses seven and eight. Nevertheless, John sixteen seven and eight. Never, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you, that I, for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the I Comforter will away. not come unto you. Not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. All right. You. So he's talking about the Holy Ghost here. And when he has come, when he will, he's come, here's he will, what he says. He will reprove the he's world of sin. He's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, righteousness and of judgment. And judgment. There's a threefold purpose here for the Holy Ghost coming. Number one, to reprove you of sin, to convict you of sin. Matthew chapter 3, uh, verses 11 and 12. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his and floor. And he will thoroughly purge his floor. And gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost doesn't come so you can keep living like the world. The Holy Ghost doesn't come so you can keep following everything the world is doing. That's not the purpose of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost comes to clean all of that out of you. That's why it's called a Holy Ghost. It's to make you holy. It's to get the world out of your heart. Right? Jesus said he's going to reprove the world of sin. So number one, he's going to convict you of your sin. When you do wrong, if the Holy Ghost is still down in there, it's going to tell you you just did wrong. And you know, it's amazing really when somebody really gets a good case of the Holy Ghost. It, I've been amazed at how many of them uh, have, have come to me and said, you know, I'm feeling pretty bad about this, 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 or this in my life. Nobody said anything. Nobody's told him anything. Well, that's why the Holy Ghost comes. He comes not only to convict you of sin, but Jesus said, righteousness. Romans chapter 15, verse 16. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God. That the offering of the, the Gentiles, Gentiles might be acceptable. Might be acceptable being sanctified, being sanctified by, the by the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost not only comes to tell you what's wrong, it comes to tell you what's right. It comes to lead you to pray, to, to, to be in church. Well, hallelujah. To worship God. To treat your brother right. Well, snuck that one in there, didn't I? 
Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost not only comes to tell you what's wrong, it comes to tell you what's right. And then third, he said, judgment. To execute judgment. Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. I close with this. We stand tonight. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always not strive always with man. Strive with man. For that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. The word strive is an amazing word because really it has a threefold meaning. And really that threefold meaning is a process that I believe the Spirit follows. The first meaning of the word strive is to plead. My Spirit will not always plead with man. In other words, the Spirit is begging you to do what's right. Begging you to, to walk away from wrong. The Spirit's pleading with you. But if, if pleading doesn't get the job done, the second definition is to contend. The Spirit starts contending with you. Spirit's working on you. Disciplining you. If the pleading won't work. But the third thing that it means is literally to execute judgment on you. You know, I don't have time to get into it, but the Apostle Paul talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians some that were doing things at the communion table. He said, for this cause many among you are sick. You are weak and sickly. You know what was going on? The Spirit was executing judgment. People just, just refuse to hear the pleading of the Spirit. The Spirit finally begins to execute judgment on our sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm, t- I'm so thankful God gave this glorious gift. And I'm here to tell you tonight, if you want it, you can have it. If you want it, you can have it. In fact, you can have it before you leave here tonight. It doesn't take a long time to receive the Holy Ghost. Really, what takes a long time is us getting our hearts ready to receive it. Receiving it doesn't take any time. But if you'll truly repent of your sins, ask God to forgive you. If you'll truly repent, and then you'll believe that it's going to happen, it'll happen. I've seen literally hundreds of people receive the Holy Ghost. Some of them walking into a church the very first time and receive the Holy Ghost. And I've seen others that struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled. The worst thing about those is that they eventually lose faith. And they start to justify that it's not for me. Or I already got it even though I didn't speak in tongues. Or other other things will come into their mind, which is exactly what the devil wants. Because if he can convince you of that, you'll feel like you're all right and you'll die lost. But I'm telling you, it, really, really, if you've repented of your sins, all it takes is faith. And the moment you believe God's going to do it is the moment it's going to happen.
These altars are open tonight. And not only open for those that have never received it, but for everybody who has received it, because we need to receive it again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we gather around the front? Let's find a place to pray tonight. And if you're here without the Holy Ghost, come and kneel on an altar. God would love to give you the Holy Ghost tonight.